Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, sports radio's on. Talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on. From the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day. College football, we know who's number one. Understand on the phones, you know we get it done. So call in 718-664-9098, and we'll give you more. Talking sports. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Tal Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor. Give us a call and let's talk Final Four. Wow, it's finally here. 718-664-9098, like always. today at gmail.com. Send us some of your emails. We're talking about the starting five all-time teams for Syracuse, North Carolina, Oklahoma, and Villanova. So if you want to email some of your picks to us, we'll definitely appreciate that. Check out rayandtaytoday.com. Great sports interviews. We've got some recent ones with Tom Rowan and Adam Archuleta, NFL players, Dave Sims with the Seattle Mariners. We're getting ready for our preview show on Friday for MLB. And, um, hey, like always, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we are interactive. Check us out. Ray, it finally has come upon us, and then there were four. I got to say, man, you and I both picked North Carolina. Your final game is still alive. You have North Carolina over Oklahoma. I had North Carolina over Maryland. So I'm, you know, a little sad. But overall, what did you think about the final four we got? A number one, a number 10, and two number twos. And is there a clear-cut favorite, like Vegas says? Well, Vegas says Carolina. And if you look at the rosters, you got to think that North Carolina has the most talent. They have the most size. They have the most McDonald's All-Americans. So definitely they are there, and they're in it to win it. So – that doesn't mean that they're going to win it, right? You can make the argument that any team out there can knock off Carolina because they've been so inconsistent. But when they're playing best, we'll talk about this on the on the women's side too, when they're playing best, I'm not saying they're dominant like UConn, but when they're playing at their best and you're playing at your best, Carolina beats you. So in that respect, they've got to be the favorites. Yeah. Despite the fact, and 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 check this out. You know they're all, they're the only number one seed to make it. Number one seed to make it. So everybody penciled Kansas all the way through. Even though you and I both had Maryland beating them, but everybody penciled Kansas in. And then you thought Virginia once once uh, Michigan State went down. You thought, oh, Virginia has a cakewalk to the finals. Not to be, my friend. Not to be. No, and I think it's great. Look, Syracuse is the first ten seed. They're the fourth double-digit seed. Previously, you had LSU, George Mason, VCU. Syracuse, this is their sixth, uh, I think their sixth Final Four. They have the two championships. They, Syracuse won. No, they have the one, one championship. I'm sorry, the one championship with Melo. Yeah, Carmelo lost, in 03. Right. 
They lost in the final in the final game. I forgot about that to Kansas. So, but they do have. They were in the final four, 2013. So this is the time where they're 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 not a real Cinderella. They're a blue blood Cinderella. But look, they're ten seed. Could they finally get a double digit seed in the championship game? They would be the first. This is 19th time in the final four, the most ever for North Carolina. They're going for their sixth chip. So that's sort of interesting on that side. Villanova and Oklahoma. You know, we know Villanova, 85, that was their, their time. Uh, Oklahoma, they've got the best player in Buddy Heald. The question is, can they finally, you know, get it done? They lost to Danny Manning um, and, you know, with that team in, what was that, 88? 88. Yep. So, you know, Danny Manning, you know, he... he, he, he Danny and the Miracle. Yeah, against uh, Stacey King, Mookie Blaylock and those boys, great team. And we'll get into it. Oklahoma's had some great players in their history, but they're still looking for that chip. So that'll be fascinating. Let's talk about the Elite Eight games just to go backwards a little bit, how we got here, Ray. And looking last night first, look, North Carolina controlled the game 52-51 at a moment. You were like, oh, can Notre Dame do something? And then North Carolina sort of took control. Demetrius Jackson, who – I gave props to the whole tournament, who I thought was the hero for them. Played great. I think Zach August getting an early foul trouble really hurt them. But 86-74, the starters for Carolina double figures. And Bryce Johnson, man, he is the all-time Tar Heel leader in double doubles. Ray, how impressed were you with the Tar Heel win? And Bryce Johnson was a beast. Very impressed. But like you said, once Zach August went down, Notre Dame had no chance. They actually took the lead, and in typical Carolina fashion, they let you back in it. But ultimately, Marcus Page is playing well. Joel Berry is playing well. That kid, uh, Pin, uh, Pinson, is playing well. So Justin Jackson is actually – well, no, no. So what I'm saying is the backcourt is actually doing its job – but ultimately it comes down to the front court. It comes down to Bryce Johnson, yeah. Jackson, Hicks, and Meeks, and they're just too much, too big, too strong, too much inside. Notre Dame tried to play small in the beginning of the game and just got pounded on the glass. I think that the final was 32-15. to 15. Uh, Carolina had the rebounding edge. Yeah, Kennedy Meeks was too much. He was getting them in foul trouble, and Bryce Johnson had himself a double-double. I think he had what? What he end up with twenty and ten? It, too much. Too much. Too much. Did you see our boy got in? Uh, James. Joel James played. He was. He came in before Hicks. I like that. Another big guy. Yeah, change up the rotation a little bit, and you yeah. know what? Yeah, because Hicks. The problem is Hicks gets gets in foul trouble, so he can't stay on the court. <laughs> I mean, talent-wise, he should potentially be starting. Yeah, he should. So it's an embarrassment of riches for Carolina. It really is theirs to lose. But you know what? Hats off to that Notre Dame team. And Demetrius Jackson played really, really well, put his heart and soul out there. And he was the best guard on the floor. But ultimately, just too much size, too much size. And Carolina is, yeah, I mean, they got, uh, you know. They are elite. They (laughs) They are are elite. elite for sure. So, 68-62, Syracuse takes care of Virginia. We both had picked Virginia. I got to say, the fascinating thing about this game, we all know when he left the zone and put on the press and went on that, what was it, 25-4 to run, 
It was incredible. Five to four. But Roberson, to me, took over the game. Him, Bijanet, um, uh, and, and Cooney. And to me, I mean, you're like a, a Michael, a Kevin, and a Malachi. Just, I mean, it was too much. And Syracuse, their, their key players all stepped up. They, after the run, they settled back in their zone. And the one thing, I got to give Barkley for saying this credit, you know, if you drive a 55 and then you want to go up into the 60s and 70s, it's not how you normally play. That's not your speed. And I think even though this is a more offensive Virginia team, once Syracuse swarmed them, it just, it was just hard for them to sort of come back over the zone and they just lost their rhythm. And it was just, it was beautiful. I got to give listen, Ray, this is, this Syracuse team is a lot better than all of us uh, believed and thought. And if you remember, they played North Carolina close in both games up in the car, up in the carrier dome and up in, in North Carolina. So um, whatever the spread is, I think this will be another close ACC battle. This was like the ACC uh, regional over here for both these brackets. So tip your hat well, to Virginia. ACC, great yeah, the yeah, ACC is guaranteed right. to have, obviously, the right side of the bracket be either Syracuse or Carolina. Did you feel bad well, for uh, Malcolm Brogdon and, and, and Virginia and their, their seniors and their guys, fifth-year senior, losing like that? Yes, I did. I felt for their sake, they really let the game slip away. They were in control. It was their pace. It was their tempo. And they had practiced against the zone. They clearly were able to do some things against the zone. But it was hard to imagine that a full-court press could shake up this Virginia team so badly because of the fact that they're seniors, because of the fact that they had so much experience, because of the fact that they're so balanced on offense and defense that you figured they would break the press, and if you have an uncontested layup, that's fine, but if not, you bring it back out, you work some clock, and you run the Virginia style of offense. And to go on a 25, or to give up, in the case of Virginia, a 25-4 to run, when you've got senior-laden, team and you've got Malcolm Brogdon who's one of the top five players in the country that's got to be disappointing to give it up to really young Syracuse players so I give Syracuse all the credit in the world but I'm sure that in Charlottesville Virginia right now they're thinking to themselves maybe we underestimated Syracuse maybe once Michigan State went down they They thought you know what this is our bracket and and it really was this is one of those where if you're an ACC fan and if you're a Virginia fan, you're going to remember this one for a long time. Well, because they might not get it that easy again as a number one seed and even get back. Listen, people don't understand. Like, Final Fours don't just grow on trees, especially with a team like Virginia. They're in such, you know, like you always say, location, right? They're in the tough territory because they play in a conference that is so elite with North Carolina, Syracuse, Duke, Pitt, all these guys. And for them to have this great season, have a Michigan State, a big dog at a number two, lose like that, you know, you said, you said it right there. Opportunity was right there before them, and they kind of just fumbled it on, like, the eight-yard line. They, you know, maybe, maybe the 13-yard line. But they fumbled it. So, 
you know, it is what it is. I feel bad for them, but you got to tip your hat to Syracuse because they have played excellent basketball when they need to. And that, that in itself is something that you've got to give and give Beheim some credit. Like you said, that all shuck stuff, but you know, even he would admit his, his big players have stepped up in ways that he just, you know, wasn't sure that they could do it. And these kids have done it. So that, that was awesome. Now going to the other side, I mean, look, Villanova, Kansas, I give you the credit. You picked Villanova. I went with Kansas because I was burned from that Maryland loss. Although in my heart, I should have gone with Villanova because I saw how hot they were offensively, Ray. And that type of heat, you can't cool down. And it's the versatility. Like I said, when you can bring Reynolds off the bench and you got the guards and, you know, your boy uh, Ryan Archidiakono or whatever is killing it and every other player is just hitting shot after shot. They're so clutch, 64-59. And I'm sorry, I never believed in this Kansas team and it finally came back and I was right. Perry Ellis, four points. He's not not a star. And Barkley said it. Your stars got to play like stars. He's not a star. He was a mythical star against Maryland, but him and Selden, and look, there were some bad calls in the game with the rest, but I still think Villanova would have won no matter what. Graham played great. Our boy Dante, right? Like Dante. Dante Freeman. Dante. We got, we're going to do our all, after this is over, right? The beginning of baseball, Ray and Tay, we're going to have to do our all Dante team from every sport because there's some great Dante's out there and all the mothers naming their sons Dante. You keep it up because they're balling left and right. Mm -hmm. But um, tip your hat to Kansas, great season, but disappointing for Bill Self and this team because with all that senior leadership, they should have been in the final four, but Villanova gets it done and uh, they're back. Remember 2009, they were there. So let's hope Nova can uh, keep it going. Ray, what'd you think about the big East representing? Oh, Big East in my heart. You know, Syracuse is still in the Big East Conference, according to me. Yes, yes. For old school guys like us, they're always Big East. (laughs) Exactly. So it's like the Big East has two teams in the Final Four. (laughs) But I was very impressed with Villanova. I picked this game. I saw something in their eyes. They're not scared. They have a lot of confidence. And the good thing for them is they're pretty deep. They have – you know, a couple of kids off the bench, and, and you love that kid, Reynolds. Didn't have a big game, no. but you know what? Uh, Bridges had a big game, and their starters all did what they had to do. So uh, Daniel Ultrafu played big, and then Jenkins yeah. was that. You know, he rebounded and did his thing. Josh Hart led the way, you know, in the second half. Archie Diakono didn't go anywhere. He was he was in their face all the time, oh, offensively yeah. and defensively. And then even Brunson contributed. So this Villanova team got contributions from everybody, wasn't scared, played, you know, played from ahead. And I think that was the key. I, Kansas had composed. Really, their composure raised incredible. Yeah, Kansas never really got under their skin. And you're right, Kansas got a couple bad calls. So, so if you want to be honest, there there were a yeah. few calls there against Kansas. Like, whoa, Kansas whoa. usually gets those calls. Uh, yeah. But. Don't take anything away from Villanova. They were the better team. They played sure. better. They played in the clutch. And and Kansas, the thing, they couldn't throw it in the ocean from three. The only person, and, you know, give him credit, Daniel Graham was the only person that hit a, hit a three-pointer all game until Dante. Mason hit one late in the, late in the game. 
So yeah, nobody, Wayne too, Seldon couldn't throw it in the ocean. And Seldon, did was, you see his shots? They were like barely hitting the rim off the side of the rim. He was Seldon was horrible. That's a, that was yeah, I hate to say. Him and Ellis kind of choked, right? Yeah, I hate to say that about 22-year-olds, but the no, truth but... of the matter is this was not an ultimately top-talented Kansas team. This was just a team that played well together in a very right. tough Big 12 conference, right? Give them credit. But yeah. ultimately they don't have that superstar talent. And Perry Ellis is a very good college player, but I'm not sure that he's the guy that puts the team on, on his back when when they need to, right? He's not no. Buddy Heald. He's no Danny and, Manning, yeah, and he's not and Buddy he's Heald. he's no Danny Manning, right. He's Wait, a very good player, to... excellent college player, and great career, yeah. but he's not Danny or the Miracles. <laughs> Did you hear the great story, though, about Nate Britt and his family basically adopting Chris Jenkins? Jenkins, so they're actually yeah, I, I didn't know that. Grew up with him, and they, they're both in the Final Four living this dream, might play each other. That's an awesome story. Wow. You talk about uh, families looking out for, for kids. You know, God bless them. That, that is awesome, and you, you love to hear stuff like that. Now, this other game, the, the first of the Final Four, we, we both got this so wrong. And we really – you know what's so funny? I think we got caught up in the moment with them looking so good against Duke because we both have Oklahoma in our final four. So we, we knew better, right? But we, we, got, we drank the Kool-Aid. We went with uh, Dana Altman and, and, and Dylan Brooks and, and, and Bell and all them boys and went with Oregon. And what we saw was a, not a star, a superstar tell the nation and in front of Kobe Bryant and Ina Heim, I am the next dude. I am not only a good college player, fine if you want, draft, draft me late lottery or late in the first round and, and, and sleep on me, but I am a humble, quiet assassin, and his name is Shivano, a.k.a. Buddy Hill. That performance, not only is he the Naismith, the player of the year, whatever, whatever, he is going to be a steal, whatever he is picked, because we know he's not going to be top three, top five. I don't know where Did he's he going to go. Did he pull Chuck Person, though? Did he start to make a name he, for himself? But he did it all season. It wasn't, he wasn't just a rifleman in the, in the yeah, tournament. Yeah, but you know, you know how miraculously scouts seem to look at you a little bit different if you no, do it the postseason? Look, 80 to 68, the whole team got busy. The, the four guys, the four leaders, the seniors, Spangler and Woodard and Cousins, who, you know, Cousins sometimes game to game, you don't know. But they played 104 games together, and it showed. And we, that's why we should have picked them over Oregon. No disrespect to Oregon. Great season. Represented the Pac-12. The only team that did anything for the Pac-12 in this tournament. And uh, they just got beat by a much better team. Oklahoma, Ray, I'm starting to realize, as much as I, I like Villanova, but I think this week off might hurt them in terms of how hot they were. But you've got Carolina, the best team, and Oklahoma, the best player, and Buddy Hill but he's got veteran guys around him who've been through the trenches. Either way, we're going to have a great final, even if Syracuse pulls the upset because of how unique they play. Either way, I'll be fine with any of these championship games. But Oklahoma, North Carolina, that would be one for the ages just because it's best player against best team. You know what I mean? Well, it's also offense against offense. I mean, Carolina wants to go up and down, score within 15 seconds. 
and this Oklahoma team, when they're on, they're on. They scored 48 points at the half, and they're just oh. killing it offensively. Fire. And you're right, Buddy Heald. I mean, we said he didn't have a great tournament up until now. He had a couple good games, and then a Sweet 16 was held to 17 points or the, to advance to the Elite Eight. The kid comes out and scores 37 to tell everybody that he's the man. He, what does he get? Eight for 13 from three? Are you yeah. kidding me? So it will be a great matchup either way. We'll talk about it on Friday. But you know what? I'm glad that it wasn't chalk, and I'm glad that it wasn't all 10 seeds. So I like this mix, a one, two, three, and a 10. Perfect. It's definitely, definitely a good mix. It'll be a lot of fun. So let's give the women a little bit of love and and props, Ray, because – Washington, a seventh seed, advances to the Final Four in a nice little upset. And then Syracuse went back and forth with Tennessee. You thought Tennessee might, you know, flex their muscle, even though they were a lower seed. But Syracuse, so now the men and women are both in the Final Four. Syracuse was the four seed. And so that was that side of the bracket. And look, it's basically over. UConn, 84-63, is, is, is about to cut down the nets, or is it over oh, a couple a couple seconds, 40 seconds left. They're going to be Texas and then Oregon State Baylor. So um, it should be fun, the women's Final Four. But it's basically, like we said, a coronation, just like 2009 with the Tar Heels, and maybe even this year with the Tar Heels, same thing with UConn. I'd be shocked if the Lady Huskies lost, wouldn't you, with Stewart and the girls? Yeah, I would be shocked. And – just put this in perspective. There's no team in Division One history that's won women's team that's won four straight. And they have a chance to win four straight. Brianna Stewart has a chance, and, and the two other seniors have a chance to be four for four in finals. Brianna Stewart can be the four-time MOP yeah. in the finals. And she would go down as the best college player of all time. I mean, certainly the most accomplished. So it's it's almost like the Christian Leitner argument, you know. In the modern yeah. era, now maybe Lou Alcindor and Bill Walton, you know, were, were better, but in the modern era when freshmen can play, there is not a more accomplished NCAA men's player than Christian Leitner. And Brianna Stewart's about to become that on the woman's side. It's a great story. How about this? They've been in the AAC, right, the new conference, for, what, three years now? They have not lost a game yet in their conference. Forget about I mean, that. They <laughs> lost to Notre Dame three years ago. They're 118 – or two and a half years ago, they're 118-1 and one since you that can't loss hate on this to dominance. Notre Dame. You're right, Ray. You can't hate That's, on this dominance. Or not, not right. they're, now they're 119-1 with this win. <laughs> It's crazy. It's just crazy. And, you know, there was a thing, and I don't know if you caught this, but Dan Shaughnessy, uh, you know, the Boston writer, was saying how they're ruining the game and no, nobody the wants to up. watch it. Great. Yeah, I think I think that's ridiculous. I think, look, the ratings are up, and I think what they're 28%. doing is they're setting a bar. They're setting yeah. a bar really, really high. And if you want Other to be Other women's teams got to catch up, right? you got to catch them. up. There's no reason to come back to the pack. Set the bar high and let all these other schools out there. There, there's, there are talented women players out there, and maybe we have to go to an era where there's going to be five or ten elite teams where a lot of the talent have to go together to beat, 
UConn. So maybe, you know, Tennessee resurrects the program and There'll Texas be some A&M and South Carolina. Right now, you know. Notre Ray, Dame. You said, it, you said it perfectly. You know right now there's some high school girls that are, let's say, the top five in the nation, all Americans, McDonald's, that maybe they'll all go to a school that's already in the top ten, maybe a Baylor, maybe a Tennessee, a Texas, a Syracuse, you know, one of these teams that are good, and three or four of the top girls will say, you know what, let's take down UConn. I mean, they should want that challenge, right? Let's go ahead and beat UConn, their coach, who, by the way, is a great coach. He needs Gino, Gino needs a, a lot of props, a lot of respect. But, you, know, you, know, who, you know what? When Popovich steps down, Gino Smith needs to coach. Gino Smith, Gino Ariema <laughs> needs to coach the U.S. Olympic team in four years. That's, wow. my, that's my new petition. Let's get Gino to coach the Olympics because I'm tired of people saying that Gino can only coach on the college level. Gino's a pretty awesome coach, and he's got the temperament to coach college to coach pros, to coach women, to coach men, to coach high school, to coach seniors. He could coach whoever. I mean, I like that. put Gino on the bad. Olympic team. That's not bad. So before we get to the NBA, Ray and I, we, we thought of a, a great segment where we would look at the final four teams and we would come up with the all-time starting five for those teams. And let's see what you guys think. It would be kind of fun. So let's start with uh, the, the early game, Oklahoma and Villanova. We'll start with Oklahoma. Ray, we, we, we kind of agreed on pretty much everything. The backcourt, we have Mookie Blaylock and Buddy Hill. And then the frontcourt, we just have one disagreement. The two guys we thought basically they were definite were Wayman Tisdale and Blake Griffin. I was thinking more small forwards, so I was thinking Harvey Grant, and you were thinking Alvin Adams and put Blake at the three. And, 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 and go with Alvin Adams in there, who, you know, Phoenix son, I met him out here, great guy. Either way, you can't go wrong. How good is that team? Let's just say Harvey Grant is the sixth man or, 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 Wayne, or Blake Griffin comes off the bench as the sixth man and Alvin Adams starts at center. How, how nice is that team? That, that's a good squad, huh? Yeah, that, that's a very nice squad. If you look at it, Mookie Blaylock was your terror guard just causing havoc. But everybody else was a player of the year, yep. all-time great at Oklahoma. Wayman Chisel yes. was a first three-time All-American in history of college basketball. Yeah. And then he left as a junior. So he was a, basically he was an All-American as a freshman. Freshman, yep. sophomore, junior. Then he leaves as a junior. So he was the first, first guy that was a three-time All-American freshman, sophomore, He led in scoring and rebounding the nation, right? And Alvin Adams oh. just was it. Look up his stats. If you're too young to remember Alvin Adams, look up his stats. I think for his career, he averaged 20, almost 23 and a half points and almost 13 rebounds a game. So in the 70s, Alvin Adams was doing big things. And we oh, yeah. all know about Blake Griffin, only stayed two years, but he had a heck of a run in two <laughs> years. And, you know, Buddy's going to be player of the year and leading his team to the Final Four. This is a really good Oklahoma team. Yeah, I like I like their five. Their five can go travel to you know any arena, and uh, that that's ones for the 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 two K video game fanatics to create that roster. That's a pretty good one. So Villanova, we'll start with the backcourt. You know this one is debatable, right? Because you got Ryan um, 
Archidiana. Um, Archidiacono. Get it right, Archie man. You can be saying his name Diacono. all weekend. I got to say Archidiacono. <laughs> but you could also put in Scooty Reynolds, Randy Foy. That one's debatable for me. Randy Foy was really good, too. But uh, Diacono's in the Final Four. I think, didn't Foy get to the Final? No, Foy had a good career. I don't know if he ever made it to the Final Four. So that, that's a backcourt, though. Ryan and Kerry. You know Kerry Kittles, the Nets. We love Kerry Kittles. Great. Now, the small forward, Howard Porter, was no joke, right? Three-time All-American. You had him. I also liked our boy Danny McLean and um, Tim Thomas. You got to yeah, like Tim Thomas. Tim Thomas was only there for one year, but his one year was I, pretty good. One year was pretty good, though. Definitely. And um, so they had um, – and Howard Presley was pretty good, too. But then definitely the power forward, Ed, Ed Pinckney. And then the center, I don't remember him. Who, who, do, you, who do you have at center? Who would you go with? I had John Pannone. Remember back in the early 80s when I'm the Big East was just started? Oh, man, he was like – St. John's had Bill Wennington and – Oh, was that Providence? I think and I he, John Pannone, he was that hard-nosed talent. He was like the, the mini, you know, version I of think, Arvita Sabonis. He yes, the, I think I remember him now. Okay. Look, I, I, the bottom line is Villanova's team is good, but, but – It's the, the worst Oklahoma of the four. Much, it's much the more worst talented. And you'd have to put Randy Foy maybe as that sixth man because, you know – and no disrespect to Harold Jensen, Dwayne McClain, Gary McClain, who won it. Yeah, because they all won. Yeah, they, they, they got the chip. They were uh, great. Now, Syracuse, without question, we know the point guard. Now, look, you have to have six-man Sherm Douglas. Syracuse well, probably actually, so it's a question. So, so I had, as one of the guards, you have to put in Dave Bing. In my opinion. Yes, Dave Bing's at the two, but Pearl Washington is definitely the point guard. I'm not – well, so so here's the thing. To me, it's it's almost a tie between Pearl Washington okay. and Sherm Douglas. Sherm Douglas. Sherm was our man. They're slightly different in their game, and you could argue that Sherman Douglas benefited from paving Pearl. the way, right? Dwayne Washington was the most important recruit probably Syracuse yes. ever had ever, because ever. he came to New York, Boys and Girls High School in Brooklyn – got him, and then he was able to get everybody else around him. And yes. then he was able to get Derek Cole. Because he was, he was such to... a biggie star, and it made players want to come play with him. Yeah, Pearl Billy was Owens, he was able to get those guys. But if you look at accomplishment and, and, and tournament, no, and going to, to that four. final game in yeah. 87, losing to Indiana and Keith Smart, that's Sherm Douglas right there. Yes. So to me, Sherm it's almost a tie. I, I, I think fair. you would give the edge to Dwayne the Pearl Washington – and, and and hopefully he'll get that uh, that health situation. He's not in yeah. good health right now. Uh, but Dwayne the Pro Watch, I think you give him a slight edge, and I give the slight edge to Sherman Douglas. Yeah. Well, I, I, listen, I love watching both. Dave Bing, definitely Dave Bing, but Stevie Thompson was pretty nasty in Syracuse. At 6'3", 6'2", catching Yo, baseline alley-oops. <laughs> love me some Stevie Thompson. Without doubt, Carmelo, one and done, gets the chip at the small forward. Uh, hey, we got to just mention his name. Lawrence Moton was a good Syracuse player as well. And, and Billy Owens. Billy Owens, another great small forward there. But Derek Coleman's a lock at the four, and Ronnie Cycli is the five. Syracuse might have the most overall talent because when you talk about off the bench, let's say if Pearl starts off the bench, you got Sherman, 
and let's say Leo and Andy Rowans and Johnny Flynn and Billy Owens. You know what I mean? There's so Lord many guys. Morgan, yeah. So that's a great Syracuse team. And last but not least, our Tar Heels, they've by far got the best roster. You could put a, so many guys. Our backcourt was just Phil Ford and Michael Jordan because Phil Ford, look, we love Raymond Felton and Ty Lawson, but Phil Ford's got it all started. Him and Charlie Scott. Phil Ford is, is legendary point guard for North Carolina. Michael Jordan, of course, small forward. I mean, James Worthy, baby. You know, James takes you on the baseline. He got the chip. It's a wrap. James, James was a stud and a super-duper star. The power forward center – and, and, and give props to Vince Carter, Antoine Jamison, but we both kind of like Tyler Hansborough and Sam Perkins at the 4-5. Would you also want to throw – you could probably put in Rasheed Wallace there too, though, Ray. What do you think? You'd have to put him over Sam Perkins because, because Tyler Hansborough Tyler stayed for four years. four years. No, Psycho T was the man. You have to give it to him. He's the all-time leading scorer in the conference. And he was, which obviously means the all-time leading scorer at Carolina, and he won a national championship. So Jamison had that great team. Remember when they were the, the, oh. the six starters? Remember, Julius Peppers was on that team. Yeah. <laughs> Jamison and Carter. That was a great team, but I think ultimately I might give the edge. It's, it's a close one. And I think because he played a little bigger, I might have to move Sam Perkins to the five and, and Tyler Hansworth at the four, James Worthy at the three. Right, and you can't disrespect Brad Doherty, Eric Montrose, J.R. Herman Reed, Rasheed Wallace. I mean, the list goes on and on for the Tar Heels. Kenny Smith, a point guard, our boy. Uh, you know? And think about a guy like Walter Davis, who was yes. just awesome. But, I mean, you can't get down over Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, no, Walter Davis, is, he's one of the best Tar Heels and a great NBA legend, too. So, look, either way, it's a lot of fun, great list. You know, put them on your 2K rosters and, and play it out. Ray, it's time to, to, to talk some hoops. The NBA. You know, <clears throat> it's amazing. I mean, what we're seeing right now, I don't know if we'll ever see this again. Just because there's so much competition, I actually think there's enough talent that the NBA could go to Las Vegas and Seattle and have, you know, or Pittsburgh and Seattle and have 32 teams. Each roster is nine to 12 deep right now. And the talent, it's just like, you know, it's a plethora of talent. But See, I, I disagree, actually. Oh. I, I, I like that the rosters are deep. But remember, in expansion, you're taking guys, you know, you get to protect eight guys, let's say. You're taking guys nine to 12. Ah, those, those bad teams will be bad. Um, those expansion teams will be bad. So yeah. I'm not sure. But NBA you're getting some good draft picks and free agency with the way the cap's going to be. If you started two franchises next year and, you know, you make, you know, you get, the, I mean, there's some good players coming out. I, I don't know. I, I think um, because these super teams, right, Golden State Spurs wouldn't be so deep and so super. So maybe – you know, you don't have LaMarcus Aldridge going to the Spurs. Maybe he'd be at Las Vegas. You know what I mean? And so things might be a little bit more spread out. So that's Maybe. The one thing I will say about the NBA, if you look at the 
let's call them the five worst teams, five or six. Let's take an even number. The six worst teams by record. The Los Angeles Lakers. Well, first it's the Sixers, right? And then the Lakers. And then the Phoenix Suns. And then Brooklyn, right? And then you've got the Minnesota Timberwolves and the New Orleans Pelicans. Are the six worst teams by record, and then the, and then uh, and then uh, Sacramento and our Knicks, <laughs> uh, the Knicks, Milwaukee. Right. Out of that, have... out of those teams, Minnesota, New Orleans, and Sacramento have a lot of talent. Right, that's roster. true. So the only team that's terrible, especially if you if you strip Kobe away, so the the Lakers are terrible, the Phoenix Suns are terrible, and Brooklyn, and Brooklyn is terrible. Those other teams, and I would so love to be the GM, but I'd love to be the GM of Philly. I really would. But maybe add Philly to that mix, too. Yeah. So so I guess that's to your point, that, you know what, even the four worst teams, there's only four terrible teams in the NBA. The rest of the teams that by record aren't doing well, like, for example, the Milwaukee Bucks or the Minnesota Timberwolves, they're Denver still <clears throat> the Denver Nuggets. There's still the New Orleans Pelicans, Sacramento. They still have young talent, not only talent, but young talent that Great you could player. build around. Yeah, all-time players. I don't know. I just wanted to throw it out there. I think it's, I think it's feasible. I honestly, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Seattle and Pittsburgh or Seattle and St. Louis or Seattle and Vegas get, um, you know, get a franchise because I, it would be, I really think, NFL has it right with 32 teams, eight divisions, you know, two conferences, four teams apiece. And, you know, I, I could see the NFL could handle that. I mean, the NBA could handle that. I, I really what do. What about reseeding in the playoffs, A, or B, getting rid of conferences altogether? Because we always said the West is best, but eventually it'll shift back to the East. But you know what? It's been 15 years that the West has just dominated, and maybe almost 20 years since, since the well, Jordan era was old. relocation, right? So maybe um, New Orleans and Houston could go to the East. You know, maybe some of those more Eastern cities or New Orleans and Memphis could go to the East, and you put Milwaukee and Detroit or Milwaukee and Chicago into the West and try to balance it out a little bit. I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but I think there's ways to, to fix it a little bit. But you could definitely fix it if you did four teams and eight divisions. You know what I mean? Because then it's a little bit easier to do that. So because then that way you could have even those four teams and then New Orleans, Memphis, Houston, and, and, and San Antonio or Dallas or whoever be in the south, you know, in the sort of the southeast or the, you know, south central <laughs> or mid-central of the Eastern Conference or whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? If you package them together. So I think it's, it, it's, it's a way to, to do it. But I just want to say all that to say, I don't know if we'll ever, ever see the dominance that we're seeing again from the Golden State Warriors like we're seeing right now because I, I love it. I mean, 66 and 7, it's incredible. Uh, what Clay had 40 the other night. You know, the Spurs, yeah, they lose. They're 61 and 12 now. They'd have to finish out winning nine in a row, and they play the Warriors twice to get 70 wins. So that way we'd have two teams in one season with 70 wins, which I don't think has ever happened. Yeah, and so Pop doesn't probably care. Won't, yeah, it probably won't happen. guys too much. But I want to ask you about this. With Blake coming back 
and he'll be back at the end of the week. He missed the Sunday game, so there's three more games. They have, what, how many games in the season uh, left? Ten? So they're at 45 and 27, right? So they have ten games left. He's going to miss three more. So will seven games of him playing, and let's say even six, six or seven games, is that enough for Blake to get into the rhythm that he would need for them to, one, beat Memphis in the 4-5, and then, two, to battle the Warriors the way they would need to in this, potentially in the second round? I say no. So, I'm curious to see what you think. Yeah, I'd say no as well. The one thing going for them, though, is that he's a veteran, and that team has basically been the same for his whole time in the NBA. So he's That's played fair. with Chris Paul, uh, the big fella. And Crawford DeAndre and Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. yeah, and then Crawford and Reddick off the, you know, all, all yeah. outside so off the screen. Not much adjustment. That's, that's fair. Yeah, that's not fair. much adjustment. But you're right, though. For a professional athlete who's used to But being to in routine, shape. He's not in basketball shape. That's He's not in basketball shape. That's the problem. And so he's going to play three games, and then they might beat Memphis, let's say, four to one. So that's eight games before you play Golden State. Not enough. Yeah. And remember, okay. well, his game is predicated on yeah. on basketball, you know, feel and instinct. He averaged five assists last game last season in the playoffs and and during the regular season. So not only is he scoring, he's rebounding, he's assisting. It's not like oh, you just have to make that patented sky hook like Kareem did towards the end of his career. No. Blake is, is more involved in the game, so to only play potentially eight games before you have to meet Golden State, ah, it's just not the year. It's not the year. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, real quick, finishing out the Western Conference, two questions. One, should Dallas just fold it up and try to get into the lottery and maybe get lucky and not even make the playoffs, let Houston and Utah make it in? I, that's what I would advise. And then two, honestly, as good as Portland has been this year at 38 and 36, uh, Terry Stott, their head coach, should he, he, he should be top two or three for coach of the year, wouldn't you think? Nobody thought Portland would be nowhere near the playoffs, let alone the 60s. It's a great story. Well, I told you they'd be nice, and I told you that your boy C.J. McCollum is here to stay. He's no, a you, player. No, you said most improved player of the year. That was your pick. You were right. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Yeah. To be to them in Utah. What about Utah? I, I mean, talk no, about I like, a team. No, I like Gobert team. in favor. Rudy Gobert. The French assassin right there. So, you're right. The West is shaping up to be very interesting teams that we thought were going to be really good, New Orleans Pelicans, maybe even the Timberwolves are a little underachieving at 24 and 49 with all that talent. Uh, Obviously Houston and Dallas, we both had higher up. So yeah, Portland and, and Utah are the two big surprises. Any of these teams in the West can use a lottery pick to get them over the edge, right? Over the hump, I should say. Well, Dallas really needs it. Because they Dallas. have so much need on their roster. Yeah, I think Dallas more than anybody. Because you, you could Dirk argue that past 2017, he wants to linger on until like 2017, 2018. Who's this, Dirk? Yeah, Dirk Nowitzki. I don't. Well, the uh, thing Dirk. about Dirk is he's got a skill set, 
but namely the fact that he, he shoots and he can still rebound a little bit. So he yeah. could be a very, very good role player. So think about, I mean, uh, you know, Bill Walton. I mean, it's a bad analogy maybe, but Bill yeah. Walton at the end of his career when he went, he had all those knee problems and then he went to the Celtics and he was a really, really important player on that 86 Six. championship team, yeah. right? So, you know, can Dirk Nowitzki, if, if Dirk Nowitzki is your third best player, the problem is now you got to get two better players than Dirk. That's hard to do. But if Dirk Nowitzki, he's a really good, you know, third best player. Excellent. You know, so if if you can get a free agent and maybe draft a star, I mean, yeah, why not? Dirk Nowitzki could still go for two, three more years. He just can't be your best player. Definitely. Well, the East is looking interesting. It looks like the Bulls have secured to not make the playoffs at 36 and 36. We Pretty said bad. I'm sorry to the Bulls fans in Chicago a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's looking bad. And the Pistons got that eighth seed looking like they're going to probably hold on them and the Pacers. Look, they're 38 and, and 35. So the Bulls are a couple games out, two and a half out from them. So, you know, I, it's sort of uh, it's sad to see uh, or just two games out, but I don't think they'll be able to catch Detroit. Um, when you look at the East and <clears throat> you look at some of these matchups, potentially Boston, Miami, first round, um, even Charlotte, Atlanta, do you see sort of some upsets or do you just think all the higher seeds will win? How do you think the East will play out? Obviously Cleveland is waking up, had a good game against the Knicks after that bad Brooklyn loss. They'll probably definitely hold off Toronto because, you know, Toronto has the tiebreakers against them, so two games. Right, Toronto's losing off. tonight, though, to OKC's putting it on them. By the way, OKC, we need to start talking about them again as one you of ready? the, the only they, teams that ready? can beat. The, the only thing about them is for them to make it to the finals, they would have to beat on consecutive in consecutive series, they'd have to beat the Spurs and the Warriors. That's tough to do, but if there's anybody that can do it. Oh, anybody can do it, it's them. I it's just okay. need a third player. Is it Waiters? Is it Cantor? Is it a Bakker? Who is going to help Superman and Batman? Who? I don't know. You know, it's going to have to be somebody different every game, depending on matchups, depending on adjustments, because Serge Ibaka's had his chance. Cantor's had his chance. See, but Adams when you say had that, his chance. Right, right, Waiters, that's the problem. When you say that, it's going to be somebody different every game. That's the problem. I know, I know. Somebody but you look at that roster. You look at that roster, and who's that guy? The Warriors they don't have, have that guy. The Splash Brothers and Draymond Green. They have a fourth guy every game, whether it's Iguodala, Barnes, or so and so. But their three guys come every night. The Spurs oh, right. the same thing. You know, hundred percent right. Go. That's why. That's why it's an uphill <laughs> battle. But I always like when you can roll two of the five best players in the NBA on your team. You know what I mean? They're on that's, my team. Look, that's not a that's not a bad thing. One thing I want to say real quick with uh, f- potential free agency for next year. I don't want to see Dwight Howard go back to Orlando. I don't think anybody wants Dwight Howard. I don't know who's going to keep him, who wants him. But to me, to hear him say, "Oh, uh, maybe I'd like to go to the Knicks or the Magic." Boo. If I'm a fan of Orlando, I'd be like, we don't want you back, you jerk. You should have never left us. Why would they want him back? He's not even better than Nikolai Bubacek. Please. 
You want Howard? I can see I Howard. I, the, I'll the take Howard. Howard. Again, I, to me, it's all a matter of, of what's between the ears because Dwight Howard can still contribute. So if Dwight Howard can be talked down from this notion that he's the best player on the team and that he's the star, let him do his thing, let him you know, get his swag back, let him make his commercials, but go to a team where he's the second best player and clearly the best player is, you know, running the show and taking no, the shot. No, no, he has to be number three. He's not good enough to be number two anymore, right? Oh He's boy, not. you're saying he can't be number two? He can't go to he can't go to Milwaukee and be, you know, number two behind Jabari Parker. He's got to be in. And where does he have to go then? I guess with the salary I, cap going I'm up. I'm telling you, Dallas. Yeah, but he's number see. one in Dallas. He's going to say, I'm younger than Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki. I'm the guy. I'm taking over. Well, he could be on a team where it's a hodgepodge of, like, you know, Chandler Parsons and Wes Matthews, Howard Nowitzki, and, and, and whatever. Are you trying to say he Dallas. needs to go to Oklahoma City, where clearly he's not challenging Durant and Westbrook? That would be the best situation. But they already have Cantor and Adams. I, I don't know. I don't, well, they I don't give up one Howard. of them. I mean, they did obviously. I know, I know. But, but we say that, right? We assume that he's better than all these people. We say it, but I, I don't think he proves it anymore on the court. Now, be really? fair, Houston, he doesn't get enough touches. He only gets eight touches a game. I mean, it's ridiculous. Houston ignores the guy, but he still rebounds in defense. But I just Can he go to Indiana and Paul George basically yes, says, look, yes. man, we're ready. You could, you like, could have you Miles just... Turner play the four and Dwight Howard play the five. Yes, he can go to Indiana. That's, Indiana or Dallas. That, those are two spots. Maybe Milwaukee. Greg Monroe's been a bust. Maybe the Pelicans. Can he go to know. can he go to the Pelicans? Actually, Anthony Davis, right? Exactly. Can he yes. go to Chicago? Can, uh, can, yeah, that's Jimmy Butler's team right there. The Sixers are talking about trading uh, Jaleel Okafor. I'd only do that if Joel Embiid is healthy. So you know, it's it look it'll be fascinating. This free agency is going to be big because a lot of the superstars are going to opt out. You know, we don't know exactly who. Most of them will because of the money. So we'll see how that plays out. That should be fascinating. Um, if you had to change your finals pick, right now, looking at the NBA, a week and a half left, who, who's, who's in your NBA finals? Well, you know me. I had, from the beginning, I had San Antonio against Cleveland. So I, and I had Cleveland OKC. Would you change it or would you stick with it? No, I definitely stick with it. I mean, look, should I say Golden State? Everybody says Golden State. But if I had to pick, let me put it this way. If there's an upset, I think it's coming out of the East. Uh, uh, Cleveland has shown some chinks in the armor. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. And you asked me before about any upsets in the Eastern Conference. To me, Cleveland and Chicago, I'm sorry, Cleveland and Toronto are in a league of their own. But Watch out for Miami. Consistent, but from three to eight, they're the same team to me. I mean, obviously they play differently, but they can all beat each other. So if you told me that uh, you know Detroit can make it a round or two, I'd say okay, you know, a little inconsistent, but you know they've got they've got young talent. Indiana, the seven eight seed, Charlotte, 
I still have to get my Hornets jersey. I know. I like NBA. Charlotte. I think Charlotte's Any dangerous. of those teams can, can win. So, really, I think the East has two teams. It's Toronto and Cleveland. That's fair. That's, that's definitely fair. You know, um, I'll say this. It's shameful that certain teams, like the Wizards and stuff, like that they, they've just fallen apart. I mean, they, they're not going to make the playoffs. It's, you know. It's a bad season, bad ending season. Um, when you can't even play 500 basketball, 36 and 37, there's too much talent for them. So them and the Bulls better hope that they get some higher lottery picks and they're not just picking, what is the lottery, 14 teams? You don't want to just pick 13 and 14 if you're the Wizards and the Bulls. If you do, so be it, but you'd rather get lucky and you know get up there and get a lottery pick. Um you know, this is real not quick, a deep draft, so you want to get no, definitely. up there definitely. early if you can. But, hey, maybe maybe you get a steal. Maybe maybe Bryce Johnson drops down to you if you're the Wizards and he's, you know, their next uh, four, you know, or something like that. I, I can see that happening, Bryce Johnson being 14. Maybe Buddy Hill drops down and somebody like uh, the Magic, Orlando Magic get him or, or the Pelicans get Buddy Hill. You know, I mean, so – there's guys that are not in the top six that I think will fall down a little. We all know it's Simmons and Ingram and, you know, those guys are going and Croatian kid three or four, you know, big names, but you're right. It's not a great draft. We'll see what happens next year. Should be better freshman. This was not a great freshman class. So we'll see real quick baseball Friday, our preview show, it's heating up. The Diamondbacks are on fire. They're like 20 and four. I can't stop talking about it. I'm hyped up. Arizona looks like they're going to be good. The Blue Jays are looking good. Washington Nationals are looking good. Football free agency for our boy Hank, Arian Foster. Do they sign him? And if they do, do they also draft the running back in the second or third round? Because yeah, the Dolphins, yeah. remember, they missed out on Chris Johnson, CJ Anderson, they, and, and Lamar Miller. They don't have a running back. What do you do? I think you do just that. I'm a huge Arian Foster fan on the field. Off the field, he's an interesting cat. But, you know, those injuries. I could see GMs passing on him and just saying, look, he's he's 30 years old and he always gets hurt. So I could see passing on him. But I want him on my team because when he runs and he runs with a purpose. You don't think Miami will take a chance and sign him to a one-year deal? I think they should. They they don't have any any real talent. They didn't get C.J. Anderson. They lost Lamar Miller. So – They've got a situation where they, they need they need running back talent. Yes, and, and in addition, they need to draft a running back. Yeah, and, um, you know, mock drafts will be coming up soon. I'm telling you, I think your boy Carson Wentz, Ray, I still think he's going to go one or two because the way things are break. Oh, I want to ask you about this Christian Hackenberg stuff, and we didn't talk about the Coach K. So we got a couple minutes. So with Hackenberg, it's leaking out that with a couple of teams, he kind of was talking smack about James Franklin, that it was the system that he, why he, his game dropped and his play dropped. I think everybody knows that, but you probably can't say it, right? Yeah, but you know what? This is self-preservation, I guess. And, and every slot you drop down is hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, if not millions of dollars over the course of your contract. So, right, uh, but don't you think you hurt yourself? So potential I, I NFL so. owners, I they probably so. are you're, like, why are you throwing people under the bus? Don't be exactly. like RG3 and Washington. You're 22 years old. 
You really haven't done anything yet. You weren't even good at Penn State. For all the hype coming out of college, out of high school, you didn't even oh, leave up to your hype. Overrated. So, I, I yeah, you're right. That's a dangerous maneuver. I see what he's doing because he's trying to say, all right, you know, four or five draft slots, that, that's a four or five million dollars potentially. But you're right, though. First of all, the big money's in your second contract if, if you think you're going to be, you know, in the NFL for long. And second of all, as a 22-year-old, mm, watch what you say because uh, these are grown men that you're, that you're well, about to join. In the interview process, they are kind of testing you. You know, everything's kind of a test sure. within a test. So you got to just tote the company line, especially as a quarterback. You don't point the finger. You'd be like, I've got to do better. Things are difficult, but I got to do better. That, that, that's what I would say. I mean, to me, I'm like, come on, you got to be the leader. I wouldn't throw a coach under the bus. So that, that's a question mark for me. And then Coach K kind of disappointed that he lied. I don't even know why he would say that. So we saw him correct or, you know, talk to Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks was like, oh, I had no problem with a coach who was just telling me I'm a great player and that I'm better than that and I shouldn't have shot up the ball. You know, he made the three. It was 32 feet. I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal. The game was over. But, you know, Coach K, I guess, wanted to sort of let him know, like, hey, come on, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't throw up a shot at the end of the game when you already clearly won. He's not wrong, right? And he apologized for talking to another coach's player, another team, but he lied about what he said to him. So that's kind of weird to me. And now everybody in the whole circuit, sports radio, everybody's, you know, Twitter, everywhere, they're kind of like down on Coach K. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, should he have lied about it? or? So I think Coach K wanted it to go away. And Did he just said it the wrong way? Or? That, yeah, I think he thought that by saying that, he would just, it would just kind of magically disappear. Uh, Coach K probably looks at himself as, as kind of an elder statesman now, and he's the USA Olympics coach, and, or he was the USA Olympics coach, and he probably thinks of himself kind of as a, uh, like a father figure. And may, maybe he was out of line because, you know, technically you're not supposed to talk to other players. It's not your place, especially because Dana Altman told him to shoot it. <laughs> but you're not, you know, it's, it's, it's not your place to do that. But I, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Out of, you know, it's, it's out of nothing. I think Coach K is, is coming from a place of he's trying to help this kid mature. And, you know, in, in some ways he probably thinks of himself as, you know, the ambassador of the game. Um, yeah, yeah. So Dylan I think it's coach. no big deal. I thought oh. Dylan Brooks was was fine. He handled it okay. He's a young kid. He'll oh, be Dylan fine. Dylan Brooks handled everything right. He did. He yeah, did yeah, yeah, yeah. I was proud of him. So you know, hey, it is what it is. Um, Ray, look, it's going to be a good sports week. It's all going to build up to Friday, Final Four preview. We will make our picks, and then the whole show or the rest of the show, most of the show. Is baseball, baby. It's been very, very good to me. Ray and Tay will break down, will predict World Series, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Manager of the Year, give our, uh, you know, division winners, playoffs, all that. So it should be kind of fun. And um, that's about it, man. I, I'm getting excited. The Yankees, they, they haven't announced their opening day starter. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of edgy. Who are the Yankees going to pick for our opening day starter? Uh Maybe maybe they'll bring back David Cohn. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, you want to see if, if, if these pitching staffs, who will have the best pitching staff? The Nats, the Mets, the Cubs, the Giants. It's going to be fascinating. Long season, 
The and, Diamondbacks um, look look like they made some big improvements. Yes, yeah, Shelby Miller, Granky and Miller. Yeah, so and, and obviously the Yankees, man, they just need to stay healthy. But if you can roll out there with, you know, especially some of these young, young pitchers who I think overachieved a little bit last year. But you know, if 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 Tanaka and Pineda are healthy, uh, and then you got those young kids at the back end of the rotation, what's well, up with CC? I was yeah, gonna say, what's with CC? You know, can 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 you rely on anything from him, or is pretty much he's he a starter? Is CC our fourth starter? You know what? I, I still think he has some gas left in the tank. I'll be honest with you. I, I still think, you know, the talent doesn't go away like that. He's still big. He's still strong. He can still throw yeah. that change up and, and deceive the deceive batters. So no, I'm, I'm just wondering, is he number three or number four? On, on, on the, on the, on no, the, I think he's four. Oof, okay. Yeah. All right, well, listen, great show. And um, props to the UConn women for women. We'll see what happens with Baylor, Oregon State. We'll get the women's final four. And um, like always, thanks for listening. Have a great sports week. See you on Friday. We're out.